cast iron brains. Functional trash. It's look, the things that go on in my brain are not for public. No, why I even got married? Podcast so steeped in the needs, whims, desires, and general identity-voiding, ego-annihilating wants, wants, wants of its children that it is merely an exhausted husk listlessly pretending to say no a couple of times before acceding to whatever the hell it is the little tyrants are demanding this time. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host. That's Abe. Looking freshly shorn. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here, too. How you doing, Lori? Yeah, I'm also tired. Lori's also tired. Tonight is Tuesday, November the 1st, 2022. It's uh, Anthony Kiedis' birthday. Oh, good. Happy oh, birthday, so? Anthony Kiedis. Friend of the, sh- friend friend of the, the show. Friend of the show. <laughs> Uh, front man of the Red Hot Chili Peppers turned 60 years old Gross. tonight. I'm sure he had a good one. Hey, what'd you do this weekend? Anything exciting? Uh, no. What did I do this weekend? See, I swear, I always forget. I'm sure well, I did we're on something. T- we're on to Tuesday now, we're so it <laughs> hardly counts. We have had our, as I suggested there in the opening, we're in this time of the year. It's every fucking year. Where it feels like... My int- like as it is, you know. Obviously, I'm stay at home dad here. I've generally seeded a lot of the the mental brain space, emotional psychological space of the self, just giving it over to the little rotten children in our lives in certain ways. So that's like the standard issue day to day stuff. But then we get to the last week in October, and they both have birthdays. And there's Halloween, and there's always, like... Georgia, Florida. There's Georgia, Florida, but, like, even that gets subsumed in some ways by the fact that there's child activities happening. Like, we had the end of the baseball season also in the la- on, on Sunday. Katie has ballet happening all the time. Your brain is just completely colonized by these creatures and the <laughs> things that you're doing for them for no good reason. Like, they don't it's even... their birthday. I know, it's their, but they don't fucking care. Like, they'd be just as happy to not... Like, they don't realize that the... Yeah. We complicated it this year. We did a thing this we did. year. I'm... Usually we sort of ignore their birthdays. Well, not ignore them, but we don't like... I make each of them a cake. I make each of them a separate... Their birthdays are four days apart, and I make two separate cakes. That takes time. Like, right. that's not magic. Right, and Lori, like, manages to, like... It sounds like, yeah, you made a cake. But, like, obviously she works a lot, and people don't... She really stresses about the fucking cakes and the icing and like making sure that everything's perfect and that sort of thing. I guess I don't do anything for my children my whole life. So like on their birthdays, I like to make them the cake they want. Okay. I mean, I do everything for them, but they don't know. They don't know what I'm doing. I'm exhausted all the time. Their health insurance is really expensive, but like I don't use that. All I can do is make them cakes. 
have you signed yourself up for like the next 10 years of this or is there like a yeah. off ramp yeah. for the cake? It feels like it feels like we're getting to the part where they're becoming like their own human beings with their own sort of ideas about the their place in the world and that sort of thing. So it's less there's a little bit less of the like I've always had this thing about like what a good parent is in my head is someone who if you're hanging out with a, a person and their kids and they ignore their kids and like they treat their kids as like just sort of annoying accessories that they have to deal with. Because it's, it's like, like this is their time. Oh, it's adult time. Fuck you off. Right. This is kids. supposed to yeah. be adult. Yeah. Like it's yeah. why I always felt weird about you go to the beer garden or you go to the whatever <laughs> What used to be an adult space, but in our generation, we've decided is actually it's just fine to just bring the fucking yeah. kids because there's this weird it's this weird duality of thing where we don't just leave the kids to do their own bullshit anymore. It's like, what do you mean you left your ten year old at home for two hours? Are you <laughs> out of your fucking mind? What's the matter with you? Right. They could start fires or get uh, child abducted or or right. pornographied by the internet or something right. like that. Like bad things are going to happen. So you have to take them with you to the fucking beer garden and <laughs> and do and and all of the formerly adult spaces are now. Uh, mixed family spaces and that's always made me like that feels weird like to have adult time and have child time and never the two shall meet in a certain way but if you're going to bring your children to the adult spaces or have them interacting with adults treat them as human beings right don't treat them as like inconveniences who are stupid and annoying like now, that drives me crazy this is this is targeted towards the kids who can engage with their parents i mean you're not talking about those little ones where they put them on those pouches and they just go no on. babies are yeah. different yeah so basically where babies the kid can, can run around and they want to engage hey dad or mom i'm doing this yeah. thing like fuck off kid i'm Drinking my second beer. No, like, when don't my do clients that. are like, "Oh, you sh you guys should go to that brewery and bring your kids," and I'm always like, "Who is that fun for? Right. It's not fun for me. <laughs> but it's you not know, fun for the kids. So many of the what newer, are we doing? Right. If we a just stay home, all our shit's there, and I can ignore them. Right. But I imagine. I mean, and also, uh, there are so many breweries that are basically catering to that type of customer. Where they they're yeah. bringing on their kids because they'll have some outdoorsy stuff when the weather's nice yeah. and just let them run around. But I imagine that basically it's like if this doesn't happen, that I guess they could just everybody go to somebody's house. I guess they could do that one. Yeah, the I think it it goes back to the thing that is not why we left Athens, but partially why we left Athens is we got to a place where anybody we want to see and hang out with, we feel comfortable having them come right. to our house. Right. It used to be that there were people that we kind of knew, but we weren't super close with, and you'd go out and you'd see site. those people. Right. Yep. And we just stopped. Every All of you moved to Atlanta. Yeah. That's so good. it was like, what are we doing here? And now we live here. And I really don't want to see anyone ever. <laughs> so, like, why would I leave my house right. where I invited all the people that I like and go to a place that, yeah, it's nice and there's outdoor stuff, but I have that at home, too. Right. So what what you've done is you've just tried to make me drink alcohol and not be able to go home because I've had alcohol. Right. From, from it's just my, a bad idea. From my experience, uh, the opinions expressed here are the minority opinion because everywhere I go in the city, like I could be out in the sticks in Alpharetta and, and it's a bunch of these people that we're describing. Yep. In, in the city, same thing. Anywhere you go, there's always like some kids tagging along uh, and they're just kind of yep. running around. And 
So there's a lot of people that want to, like, I want to get out of the house, but I don't want to, I don't know, Yeah. be separate yeah, from my kids. That's fine for them. But what I, what I reject, I've always felt that, like, it, a child is way more interesting than their parent or, or somebody else interacting with them generally gives them credit for. And, yeah, they're stupid. And I'm, I'm denying the thing that I started the episode talking about. Like, yeah, to an extent, it is an ego-annihilating and, and sort of identity husking thing to have children but at the same time like just listen to your fucking kids and talk to your kids and like you can tell the children who are interacted with as though they are full human beings and the ones who don't half of the kids they don't say trick or treat oh really they're just like when we started out no and i've heard this from multiple people like do kids not say trick or treat anymore it's like no their parents didn't yell at them to say trick or treat, right? So they didn't do it, right? No, and the, and and like all these kids, the number, like, yeah. So it was Halloween, also. So of course, that's a, just a flood of other people's children sugar. talking to you. It's just a lot of sugar. But so many of these kids who are way older than they need uh, adult supervision for are trick or treating, like they with trick or treating but, but with parents, with their parents, yeah. yeah. So but like, with because like, they're younger siblings along, or just like it's their these like a little yeah, too old for question. parental. No, like older kids, seemingly older kids who shouldn't need adult supervision like still... would Calvin and his older friend go without us if it weren't for their younger siblings right so Calvin and his buddy are 10 and in my opinion they would they don't need me there they would be perfectly capable and I think of Katie doesn't need me there either walking the in the neighborhood one. right yeah Which and probably Katie doesn't need it either Katie I mean, would be fine they would get disoriented at the end of the night they, I was trying to get them to figure out where we were and where to go, and they like couldn't do it. I was <laughs> like, "You don't know where we are, do you?" <laughs> I don't know. There's they're just we're tired. We're, we're tired. We're tired. I'm tired of my kids, and uh, and <laughs> it gets to the point where it's not just tired of them. It's tired of doing exclusively things they want to do. Right. So it was Friday. We go to Richmond to do birthday stuff for them. We we did this uh, uh, the. Virginia Science Museum, which was pretty cool. It had one, like, really cool room and then a couple of other halfway decent rooms, too. And then we also did Top Golf, which, like, one of Calvin's favorite things to do in the world is to go play Top Golf. And that was fun. So sore. I was so sore. From Top Golf. I can imagine. That's how in great shape I am. (laughs) But even doing an activity like Top Golf, which is fun for me, it's very much for the boy. Like, it's very much like. It can't be about me trying to work on my golf swing, <laughs> which like not that I not like not that right. that's something that I would do, right. but like there's just not it's an activity that is all about the ten year old child, right. which is fine. It's his birthday. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Great. And then we go. We went to a mall to go shopping so he could spend some of his birthday money, and that was that's all about him as well. And then we come back and we have baseball on Sunday, and that's all about the kids as well. And then there's Halloween, which is just exclusively about the kids. And of course, I've spent the weekend fucking. I cleaned the house because my brother was coming, and they're only coming to visit the fucking kids, right? Yeah, like they're not coming to visit me. So like, it's all about getting the house ready for my brother and his fiance to visit. But like that's just also for the kids. And my dad comes to spend time with 
the kids. Right. Yeah, he leaves like, as soon as they go to bed. <laughs> which he is, doesn't want to hang out with us. Right, which is fine. Like, Dad, yeah, he's using up a great deal of his energy hanging out with the kids. Like, understandably drained afterwards. Like, right. yeah, I'd fuck off, too. you got to drive home an hour. Like, that sucks. Yeah. Uh, and then Halloween is just, you know, I'm, I'm like, while the kids are at school, I gutted five pumpkins in preparation for them to come home <laughs> that and was carve a bit them. For me, I really like having five pumpkins. <laughs> yeah. One is stupid and lazy. Two looks weird. Three, why isn't it five? Let's just do five. We need five. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know why you stop at five. Exactly. But also there's. Because five. Doesn't it get back to being a little weird when you go in there like. An upper limit. If you had like thirty, yeah, five is the uh, five is the number. Five is the <laughs> like, right yeah. number. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's f- it was a fun weekend, but it was very much like, ah, these By the way, two small children live inside my brain all of the time. <laughs> from I don't the think about anything else. From the point of view of the the kids, this must be like a great stretch of time, right? Like, I mean, right. And on top of that, on top of that, they have. This year, they have back-to-back four-day weekends. They were off Thursday and Friday because it's the end of the quarter, and so they, they pile a couple of teacher work days in there okay. so that they can get their grading done or whatever. And then next week, because the election is happening, and in Virginia, all of the election uh, the precincts are, are in schools, and they give them two oh, days off, Monday and Tuesday on top okay. of that. So, yeah, it's like it is just fucking party time for the kids and they're so they're around all of the time and everything that is happening is about them so they're just yes from their perspective it's, it's a yeah. great time to be alive <laughs> anyway it's a lot it's a lot of kids a lot of kids and then it's like a kid comes home from school and he's all happy and he wants to tell you anecdotes about his day and it's like oh uh, yeah <laughs> that's that's awesome oh, i wish i heard anecdotes <laughs> I that's nice Anyway, talk to your fucking kids. Uh, I mean, it will kill you, I think is what I'm getting at here. Both things are true, but, you know, if you're going to bring your kids places, talk to them. Yeah. Anyway, let's just do sports very quickly and get it out of the way. Fun, uh, fun, Georgia fun. beats Florida. We we love when that happens. Of course, Kirby Smart just hates Florida so much that he just can't help but own them. It is a, <laughs> it's a wonderful situation to be Even in. Even when he makes bad choices against them and right. it pays off. What did he do that was stupid and paid off? He uh, did something stupid. There was a very stupid go for on fourth down that didn't okay. make any sense yeah. whatsoever. But it, but it worked. And it worked, so that right. was fine. It was yeah, a, it was on like the 30 or something. So yeah, it was, it, was bad. it was a perfectly makeable field goal. It was like fourth and eight, and they go, they go for it. And not only that, they get a free play out of the deal because the Florida team jumps off sides. And then Stetson makes one of his garbage throws that, Brock Bowers uh, hauls in. The only time that Stetson Bennett makes a good play is when he's throwing to Brock Bowers or Darnell Washington. Yes. And it's because he makes throws that are either too late or they're like viciously underthrown. And those are the only two skill position guys, the the massive tight ends who are uh, man children. A 19-year-old Brock Bowers who's got just – he's no got the hair. worst male pattern baldness oh, in history. It's already starting. Yeah, it's crazy. The, the it's testoster- testosterone. Starting, it's done. It's all- <laughs> he's, got, he's got the hairline of my brother, Andrew, who was here this weekend. And it's not uh, – you know, Andrew's is just a genetic thing. This Brock Bowers fella is – way too much testosterone. Pumped testosterone through his veins at much too high a rate. And, and therefore lost all of his hair. Right. Anyway, the point is, uh, Stetson Bennett's a bad quarterback, and the only time that... I don't like when 
you say that. I know. But the only time that we make uh, big plays down the field is when it goes to – because we don't have any wide receivers anymore somehow. Uh, right. A.D. Mitchell's yeah. been hurt. Yeah, yeah. That's – that's true. A.D. Mitchell's been hurt. None of the other guys have really stepped up to make themselves relevant. And so the only time we make big plays is when Stetson does one of his classically bad throws. Yeah. And one of those two monsters down there uh, at tight end rest the ball away from the defense. Because the ball will always be thrown into either tight single coverage or double or triple coverage. Right. And it's just up to the tight end to uh, steal it away from the defense. Right. And which, I to this point has worked out fine. I can't tell if to your point about the, the lack of wide receiver production, I don't know if it's because Stetson is just fixated on those two targets that he's, it doesn't matter what the receivers are doing or there are just no good receivers this year. And he has to uh, yeah, fix it. I think that they're being covered. Well, I've, it's not even that they're being covered. It's that he can't throw them open in a, in the way that other go- good quarterbacks can. So if you get, two feet of distance off of your defender that's enough space where if you're running full tilt yeah. you can be open yeah. even though you're covered and right. you can make a good play but if that ball is slightly underthrown, then you're falling back into range of the defender and that's what he does all the time so i have no idea really how good our wide receiving core right. is because he's so bad at 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 leading them into the open space that you just i don't know it, it drives me nuts. He's 25 years old, and he's a perfectly capable mid-level college quarterback who's got this hemi of an offense that he just cannot ever seem to get cranking, and it's going to show up as a problem against Tennessee this weekend, they I had, suspect. They had uh, this graphic during the game where I think, was it like 10 or 11 NFL starters at quarterback or younger than Stetson, like some yeah. weird, goofy number. I was like, wow, that's yeah, yeah. A third of the starting quarterbacks in the <laughs> NFL are younger than Georgia's starting quarterback. It's crazy, and he seems to be doing mostly fine. Right. Yeah, sure, he's fine, but he's not been good by any like by any definition. You can't say that he's do- having a good season. It it's is just very frustrating to watch. It is remarkable that uh, at the beginning of this year, which feels like a long time ago, when uh, that Oregon game happened, like Oregon has crawled all the way back as if that one shellacking did not happen. They were just like, hey. Never. Yeah, well, they had a new coach. It was their first game across the country. Yeah. It makes sense. Bo, Bo Nix comes out and says, if we played Georgia yeah. again, we would beat them. And then I turned on the Oregon game, and they're struggling against Cal. Uh, and they ended up winning that game fairly right. comfortably. But the, the first half was kind of ugly. Uh I, it is interesting that I think that this Georgia team that you looked at the schedule at the start of the year and you thought, oh, this is a bum-ass schedule and we should win most of these games. Now, if you look at the schedule as it's going to shake out by the end of the year, if if not that Georgia will go undefeated or even that I expect them to, but if Georgia goes undefeated, that means they will have beaten teams that either were in the top 10 at the time and also ended up in the top 10 at the end in right. all likelihood. So they will have beaten Oregon. They'll have beaten Tennessee, who number two in the country. And, Alabama. and they'll have beaten presumably Alabama in right. the SEC championship game before going on to beat whoever the hell they would face in the playoff. Probably fucking Tennessee again, you know, in the way that this stupid yeah, thing that's shakes the other out. Thing. You, you want to lose the first time because it's hard to beat the same team twice. Right. Yeah. So like, you kind of hope we lose this weekend. It's such a weird... I do not hope that. But... I, well, you, you can basically live with it at this point. But, I, yeah, obviously you want Georgia to win. It is it a down year? It seems like no one is really that good. I mean, like, 
We say that every year. No, We've been saying that for a few years, I think, because football is worse now than it. Than, than it certainly is in the NFL. Like uh, all the teams that yeah, I'm football watching, football is terrible. Yeah. There, there's no good teams in the NFL. Yeah, it, the Bills are guess are the Cincinnati one team. team. Yeah, the Bills are good. The Cincinnati team gets uh, squadooshed last night by the hapless Browns, quarterbacked by Jacoby Brissett. Oh, good old Brissett. And Nick Chubb had a great game, by the way. Just keep handing the ball to Nick Chubb. I don't know why you, you have Jacoby Brissett is your fucking quarterback. Why wouldn't you just give the ball to Nick Chubb forty times a game? I don't understand. Anyway, I talk very much more about sports, except that I wanted to touch on. Uh, I believe this will be the first time I ever say the words NASCAR on any one of my podcasts. Uh, we not a big auto racing bunch. Have you ever been to a NASCAR race, Abe? No, no. Have you? So. I'm yeah. sort of surprised Abe hasn't been. It does seem like the sort of thing like you picture you picture Abe in that that checkered button up that you used to wear all the time. Yeah, you and work like, at a NAS. The way that you don't fit in anywhere, yeah. you similarly don't fit in at a NASCAR yeah. race. So like, yeah. what's the difference? Yeah, that's like the same. Anyway, I went. Uh, I think I was a junior in high school, and I went to Atlanta Motor Speedway. They used to have at least one, if not two. Because the NASCAR season, I think, is like 40 weeks long or something it's ridiculous very like long. Because isn't the – because so, usually after the football season's coming to an end, they're like, hey, February, there's something in Daytona. And, like, I don't know if that's the start of it or – but it seems yeah, like – I think the, it, the Super Bowl of motorsports or what have you happens at Daytona, and that's the beginning of the NASCAR season. Right. And then it runs through the calendar year, basically. It's crazy long. Yeah. Yeah, very long and – uh, so I think Atlanta used to get two races a year. I don't know if they still do, but it, Atlanta Motor Speedway, which I think was in Atlanta about as much as the Braves are now in Atlanta, <laughs> but on the other side, it's like a bit, somewhere on the it's a bit south Atlanta area Motor Speedway. Yeah, yeah. And so my uncle took me to which uncle? Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe is a big uh, NASCAR guy. Took me to a NASCAR race one time, and it was fun. It was like I. I I can't pretend that is I... Is this recent? Was, no, no. When oh. I was a junior in high school, oh, okay. this is back in like... Oh, gotcha. Our, 99 or 2000 or something like that. Since you're uh, an expert at this uh, sport, do, do do people follow the teams or the the right the driver? Like what? The driver, I I'm, think. I think it's mostly the driver. Okay. I don't think that... like. I'm sure that people there are weirdos everywhere who are like, yeah, I'm a big Joe Gibbs auto racing yeah. fan and I, <laughs> I stay close to... That team, but I don't think I think mostly it's drivers. Okay, and I couldn't tell you like as far as I'm concerned, uh, Dale Earnhardt and Bobby his son Labonte. are still drivers. There's like uh, Bobby Labonte is the one I know. Is is Dustin Johnson a golf guy or a NASCAR Dustin guy? Is golf. Not sure. Jimmy Johnson is maybe both. Jimmy There's Johnson's the black NASCAR. guy. Yeah, right. Jimmy Johnson won Bubba like Wallace. eleven NASCARs in a row. I confused Bubba Watson Bubba and Watson, Bubba Wallace. Bubba Wallace. Watson <laughs> is the golf. One of them is the Georgia guy who won the Masters. Wow, that's the golf one. You know, that could be like a game, like the golf or NASCAR. Right, like, is, yes, it, is it a golf golfer or, or a NASCAR? <laughs> and who fucking knows? Certainly not me. Uh, that's not going to stop me from talking NASCAR on the pod today, that's though. That's right. What's the angle? Did somebody was a, get run over? Story. I'm so excited to talk about this. There was a race in Virginia this week, and I, I briefly heard the highlights sitting around watching TV with my brother, and and all I had heard was the guy crashed his car on purpose in order to win the race. 
And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Is this the Bubba uh, Wallace incident? You should show or? the video. Can you show No, Abe? not not Bubba Wallace. Okay. It's something else. But yeah, I will pull up the video here. Is that I wonder is as you're pulling it up, is that a unwritten rule don't do it or is there something on the book saying you can't clip somebody deliberately to win or whatever so it's definitely not a written rule oh. uh, there are there are nascar people who are saying that this you should write the rule that this <laughs> shouldn't be allowed of course you know how fast but they're going trying to get somebody killed <laughs> like this is i think i saw on, i saw on twitter somewhere it's uh it's the it's an air bud moment for nascar oh, in the rule. Yeah, there's no nothing in the rule book about a dog not being allowed to play well, basketball. Well, it's also it reminds me of like the fake slide or like the fake uh fair Yeah, the, catch. the fake quarterback slide. Yeah. Totally bogus. Yeah. <laughs> there's no honor in it, certainly. So here it is. This is from his perspective. A couple cars ahead. He just plows into the wall at full speed. Chastain, Elliot Bell, and Logano are going to fight for a championship in Phoenix. Take a look at what he did. I have never seen anything like that before in my life. Imagine a racetrack, right? And you need to make, say, one final corner before the final straightaway. And if you're someone who doesn't want to crash into the wall and make that final turn, you have to slow down and take the inside track, and then you can accelerate coming out of the turn. But that that bleeds a lot of your speed off of your situation, right? And so instead what this guy does is he sidles on up to the wall before he goes into the turn, uh, puts it into fifth fucking gear, and pedal to the metal as fast as he can into the wall. He said he didn't even hold on to the steering wheel. He just let go of the steering wheel. Because he didn't want to, he didn't know exactly what was going to happen. Uh, but he let Jesus take the wheel. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and so at, at full speed, he goes flying like slingshotting around this turn that otherwise everybody else is on the brakes to make the turn safely. And he ends up going from like 10th to 4th or something, or 10th to 5th to advance into the playoffs. Because I don't know, there's some stupid thing in NASCAR where it used to be that you just accumulated points over the course of the whole season, and then whoever had the most points won the the cup. But because that wasn't exciting enough, they wanted to turn it into a fucking playoff because everything has to be a goddamn playoff. Because you have to build. I mean, you have to build. I mean, it could be any... I guess, but now they have races where there's 42 dudes, I guess, in the starting lineup, but only four of them matter. Right. <laughs> just like what are we what are why well, there a bunch of like non-playable characters yes. like a bunch of Yoshis and Toads out there on the Mario Kart track they should, who don't matter? They should uh take those opportunities. I don't know if they have a farm system. I, I my knowledge of this sport is very limited as you can see. Uh but use an opportunity to like, hey, we'll bring you up to the majors because it doesn't matter. This fucking driver ruined our team and we're done for. And so yeah, practice right. a lot, it doesn't matter. This doesn't mean anything. They could use it for teaching, teachable. Not moments. the not the minors thing. You, you you should have like you know be a NASCAR driver for a, for <laughs> oh, like, a week <laughs> contest. Well, as soon as somebody dies, and they point to you like this yeah, is Bob Franchel. I would work for one day. That would get me into this sport if I could potentially become a racer for a day at the end of a meaningless season also, for a team. Also, we're still. What if? some non-playable character as you say is doing this gimmick little thing like oh i'm just gonna fucking zip it and just ruin it for other people 
Right. And so the, but the end of the story here, the, why it's even worth bringing up is because, so it's, it fucking works first of all, cause it, of course it makes sense. Like, cause in, in my head I was like, what are you talking about? You crashed in order to win a race. That doesn't make any sense. But when you actually think about it for a second where you have to either bleed speed in order to not ruin your car or just fuck it, ruin your car on the last lap because you can maintain more speed through the turn. Uh, although I imagine do that. Th- th- there's a cost to speed doing that. I guess it's not as great as the other option, right? Right, not nearly yeah. as great as okay. having to hit the brakes and, right. and make the turn like the rest of the uh, mere mortal humans down there, those idiots. <laughs> uh, but he learned this playing GameCube. He, he learned this playing Nintendo GameCube on the, the 2005 NASCAR game that they had for that system and, and multiple other systems, but he played it on the GameCube. And he said that he would do this with his brother. He's just, as a child, playing NASCAR on his Nintendo system. And you turn damage off, and you just <laughs> slam it into the wall as fast as you can, and it slingshots you to the finish, and it, and it works every time. Played a lot of... NASCAR 2005 on the GameCube with Chad growing up, and uh, you could get away with it. And I never knew if it would actually work. And I've, I mean, I've done, <laughs> I did that when I was eight years old. And um, I grabbed fifth gear. I asked off a of two um, on the last lap if we needed it, and we did. I couldn't tell who was leading, and uh, I just made the choice. I grabbed fifth gear down the back and full committed. Um, once I got against the wall, I basically let go of the wheel. And, just hope I didn't catch the, the turn four access gate or something crazy, but I was willing to do it. I didn't know it was going to work, but it worked, so here we are. It's just so wonderful. Right. And also, what I assume this is not something he's done before, so he saved it for the right moment because it's actually – he needed it, I guess, to yeah. go from 10th to 5th. Right. He to, needed it to get it into the playoffs. Yeah. And he thought, I tried this in a video game once. Right. Here goes. Right. And if Jesus, it, take the wheel. Right. And it failed. How many kids have done? How many kids have leaped off their their roof, like thinking, "Well, I tried it in a video game once. What's the worst that could happen?" Like and done incredibly stupid shit and broke their kneecaps and that sort of thing. But this is like it worked. Like who doesn't want that to have done something in a video game when you were nine years old and then have it work out for you in a grand way professionally as an adult? So are there? You play Tony Hawk a lot. Yeah. Like, if you spend hours and hours playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater and you go into the world you see it as a skate park yeah. you're like okay that is so true yeah yeah kick flip off of that and grind <laughs> up to that and then you're on the roof and then you can get onto that next roof right but like that you can't because it's a video game right it's like we watch a bunch of those parkour videos of these maniacs running around the world doing super mario moves it's off of stuff parts. and like leap leaping 30 feet from building to building and you start thinking of the world in that way, but like you don't ever actually fucking try you can't it. Can't do that because yeah, right. you're a normal person. Are there um, traditional NASCAR fans that are up in arms about this, or what's the? Is there? I don't know about. I don't know what the fans are saying. I believe it or not, I'm not wherever NASCAR <laughs> fans congregate. I assume it's everywhere, and I've just. Yeah, there's probably NASCAR Twitter and NASCAR Instagram and all of that, but I'm not a denizen of those parts of the internet, so I don't know. I did read a couple of articles about fellow NASCAR racers being upset to an extent. Like the the concern being like, is this just going to be a thing that we have to deal with now because the seal has been broken and once one person like it's one thing for one person to do it and to have it be successful, but like if everybody's going to be doing it then it 
it just can't be a thing. Right, but I imagine I can't imagine that this will work in every situation. It's not like this is going to be something that you could try every time. And I don't know how cost prohibitive it would be to try every time. I don't know how much damage it does to the car. If it's just just the outside parts that can be easily replaced or if it's doing any sort of serious damage where it's like in this case it's worth it but you can't do this every time like it's gonna fuck it up for your car yeah i don't know either and i i don't care (laughs) i just think this was awesome that one aspect of it that fact that like one person who does it and breaks the unwritten rules it's okay and it's sort of awesome and then once everyone starts doing it it breaks the fundamentals of the thing that we're talking about and and now no longer just nascar i think that applies to basically everything (laughs) Uh, in a in a in a fucked up way it's it's almost what's fucking wrong with Is the it, world. It, it right? didn't usually happen like this with uh, well, who that British guy, that Bannister guy. Like I can run in a mile in four minutes, and then as soon as he did, everybody else did too, and it became like I mean, not everybody, but like it was weird. Like it was kind of like a mental block, and then some. That is a pos- that is a positive way of interpreting the like the possibilities of human achievement. Yeah, yes, yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> But if if it's a question of oh you can just fucking break norms right. norms are not actual That's things true. that matter yeah uh, <laughs> so everybody can just be the shit in the punch bowl now yeah. and it and like what are you, what are you gonna do right there's no rule right. what are you gonna do yeah that becomes unpleasant yes. for for all the rest of us right and it's kind of happening after the the week after you talk about how important free speech is. You talk about why it's bad. Right. So, but inherent in any conversation about uh, lauding the importance of free speech is that there's a, it comes with a responsibility, not an authority by master manipulators who want to control everything. Uh, that, that, that's bad. But at the same time, the ability to freely express yourself comes with a certain degree of uh, response, with great, with great power, <laughs> you know, as they say. Yeah, yeah but people comes, are not responsible. Comes great responsibility. Right. And, and owning up to the consequences of your actions and foreseeing the negative ways in which your expression can lead to bad outcomes for other people is a healthy way of regulating your own speech rather than the unhealthy way of of trying to do it in some sort of top-down control manner. Uh, Speaking of people talking about bad speech leading to bad outcomes for other people, Abe, you'll recall Paul Pelosi was in the news for what amounts to me for the first time that I can remember it mattering like a month ago or so. When he got a DUI, and I don't know if he he tried to pull the "Do you know who I am?" situation, right. but like everybody who's drunk, sort of pulls the "Don't you know who I am?" situation. So I don't it, that never that that particular turn of phrase never really bothers me. Uh, but he was drunk and shouldn't have been driving yes. and got got a DUI, and that was yeah, whatever. Paul, he's eighty two years old. Paul Pelosi, you don't have to think about him ever again. That's got to be. Uh... Uh, Totally unrelated. Un, a rare. I don't know if they keep stats of DUI by age. It, it's got to be a rare. I don't hang around too many eighty-two-year-olds, but that that sounds like a young person's kind of like uh, thing. Especially not like a first DUI, right? right? Because oh, he's so old. I'm sure that the, the uh, you know the charge has fallen off. Like, oh, we changed from you know writing it down to to computer so your record from 1962 is like expunged or something right i think the the reason that you don't see a lot of 82 year olds getting duis is in no small part because people who have made it to 82 years that's old that's true yeah didn't didn't get there by making <laughs> the right. very poor decision yeah. 
to get loaded and then get behind the wheel of a giant yeah. metal contraption that can travel at hundreds of miles an right. hour. It's a, it's uh, a self-sorting group, basically. A, yeah, if you made it this far. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're not here to talk about the millionaire husband of uh, the Speaker of the House because he got a DUI. We're here to talk about it because somebody broke into his house and uh, beat him up with a fucking hammer to the dome is not pleasant no it's not number two i mean shanking number one danger in uh from my personal rec you know experience but hammer number two that's uh right. that can't be you'd fun. rather you'd rather take a hammer a hammer to the body yes. than a knife right. because if are I'm, you if, sure about if, that? If, if it is to be a losing effort a hammer settles the issue fast right and then i go to sleep and it's over but knife, it's a lot of activity, a lot of stabbing before you kill somebody. So it's like, yeah. I'm trying to decide which end to talk about this story from. Like, do you talk about it from the known facts as we know them now? Or do you talk about it from the complete batshit insanity conspiracy theory stuff that exploded like a fucking neutron bomb immediately? Like, as soon as this story became a thing, the entire right-wing media ecosystem filled the void of what could this potentially be with a whole series of nonsensical right. conspiracy theories that that they take up so much space in the minds of certain people out there, largely on the right, that they will be true enough in their minds moving forward that the facts don't even matter. Right. And it's because it's the, the husband of someone who they've created an almost – I mean, not to say that it's undeserving exactly. Like Nancy Pelosi is not pleasant. I don't. I don't care for Nancy Pelosi. But she's similarly. Uh, she's not like evil. Right. She's similarly unpleasant as other politicians of her yeah. stature, right. like I, a McConnell or I don't care for her in the same way that I don't care for Mitch McConnell right. and Chuck Schumer yeah. and yeah. Hillary Clinton. Well, yeah. And like whoever right. the fuck else. But Hillary has drawn the sim the same kind of ire from. Right. Them. There, there's a certain. She just went away. Yeah. There's a certain uh, vitriol. I mean, yeah. It's a. Yeah. There's a woman. Yeah. She's a woman. Is the problem. People. Take a shit on McConnell, but it's not to the same, like, doesn't have the same energy behind it. No, it's because she's a woman. That's it. Maybe. Maybe not, it's because she's a woman. It's I, not maybe. It, it's it's just the same as Hillary, and it's because they're women. So I think that the Hillary hate at its start, I always felt, could be justified non-misogynistically because she was, as the first lady in a policy space, something of an interloper. She was not. She was not elected to do. No, but when the, the hatred for Hillary in 2016 was not the hatred for Hillary in 2001 or whenever. I don't the, the 90s. Like everyone ha hated. It's different. It was a different kind of hate. Yeah, sure. And it was it, the Hillary the, the presidential hatred for, candidate. The hatred for Hillary has many flavors. As someone, yeah, as someone but who's it's been the in same public flavor life for a very as the hatred time. for Pelosi, and it's the. Uh, I hate women hate. And to uh, – if it is indeed that, uh, and, and it kind of makes sense, uh, th there seems to be like this effort to find the next Pelosi, the next Hillary, and one one such person seems to be AOC. It seems like they're – like we just need to kind of channel all of this negativity towards whomever we think is going to be the, the politicians going to be around for the next 20 years, you know? Well – to be fair, in the same way that Hillary was despised for being, the word I used was interloper, 
uh, AOC was a she did not start as somebody who appeared to have earned her position beyond the fact that anybody who was elected yeah, technically she, uh, yeah yes, that's what they, but earned, they're into that they like it when it's some guy right. and also they're, 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 oh I'm an yeah, outsider this is not. Yeah, but I don't like that. I don't like Madison yeah, Cawthorn any more than about I, you. I know, but I know, like, but, like the, I but think what that, do you mean by? I, I recognize that there's a there's a certain amount of misogyny right. that goes into this stuff. I, I but I what do, what do you mean that. by like because she was a Bart? Like, what's the angle? Because I mean, like, there are a lot of candidates that don't. I don't. AOC has proven has is a is a perfect example, if not the prime example on the left anyway. Uh, Madison Cawthorn and Marjorie Taylor Greene being examples on the right. I'm not trying to draw a false equivalency here between and, and think that they're that Marjorie Taylor Greene and AOC are the, are the same, except the, in the way that they use their positions that they 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 treat Congress as the platform for them to launch their personal brand more than they treat it as an office that they are simply inhabiting for a brief period of time, attempting to wield the the powers of that office to affect policy change that's not aoc's game she's there to be an instagram influencer on capitol hill effectively like she's a she's a lifestyle brand as much as she is more so than she is a politician you need look no further than what are her accomplishments as a congress did she just get here like what what are what are two-term members okay but that, that i i will make the same criticism of marjorie taylor yeah. green she treats the office as a platform from which to launch a personal lifestyle brand same thing that madison cawthorn did it's the same thing that matt that creepy butthead gates. looking dude matt yeah. gates does uh from florida and i don't i don't see it as and lauren bobert right they're not interested in wielding political power in the way that we think of a Nancy Pelosi or a Mitch McConnell wielding political power. And it, to an extent, it's because they've just gotten here, but they, are, they, they have all of the trappings of cultural power and none of the political power. And I think that they don't value political power in that way. Maybe it's just generational as much as right. it is anything else. That, that's what I'm thinking, because I always thought, like, isn't AOC kind of trying to model herself? I mean, the way she's presenting it through social media, because, you know, that's what's available now. Uh, but, like, isn't she trying to do a Bernie thing? Like, we're into these specific issues, like, with the green you whatever and the pay for medicare like some sort of like idea thing like isn't that what i guess but who do, who has affected greater had a greater impact on on politics and policy in this country is it abigail spanberger from virginia or is it aoc and i think the obvious answer is that in terms of wielding actual political power and potentially getting anything done as as impossible as that is at the national level right now it's spanberger right, but, a democrat from northern but spanberger's virginia like the joe biden and aoc's bernie's i mean bernie sanders hadn't really done anything either. he just points to things and i don't know what sort of pieces of legislation he's passed in his 40 years like there are some people that are just like more ideas people they're like we want to move the needle in this direction yeah anyway back to the anyway. conspiracy people yeah back to paul pelosi I think that the, the best way to handle it is just start with the outline of what happened. Apparently, uh, this guy, his name is David DePape. He's 42 years old, uh, born Canadian. in Canada, Canadian citizen, living in California for the last 10 or 15 or 20 years or something. And he graduated high school in Canada and then came to the United States. Oh. Uh, he broke into a side door or a back door, a sliding glass door. He broke it out, went inside, rousing Paul Pelosi from... Bet it was like 2.30 in the morning or something like that. 
and shouting like, where is Nancy? Where is Nancy? This sort of thing. And Pelosi is like talking to him and is like, she's not here. He's like, okay, well, we'll wait for her. And he tells the guy that he's got to go to the bathroom. I guess though, this is where this is a cartoon of some sort. Right. And sneakily calls the police from his cell phone while in the bathroom, while maintaining a conversation with this person to like keep him talking or what have you. And the 911 dispatcher sends the, the police to the scene and the police knock on the door because they, they think they're, ref- they're responding to some sort of domestic dispute or something like that. They're not sure exactly what they're getting themselves into. Pelosi runs to the door, opens the door, and apparently in the threshold of the door, the cops are outside and DePape and Pelosi are inside. There's then a, a sudden struggle with the cops standing there watching for the hammer. Right. This DePape guy has a hammer and he, he makes a sudden move and bashes Pelosi's fucking head in. And fractures his skull with the hammer, surprising the police out of their stupor, presumably. And they go and they uh, they yeah. subdue him and arrest him, and go from there. This was uh, that that's apparently like th- those are the facts as best we know them. I think uh, as of right now, uh, he has been already been arraigned. They moved very quickly with federal charges. And uh, apparently far quicker than they usually do for this sort of thing because of the high-profile nature of the case, and understandably so. And he's basically kind of copped to the basic points, right? He's not saying it was a misunderstanding or – like he's claiming all of the things that you allege. Like he went in to try to do whatever, right, according to him. He went in to get to Nancy Pelosi. There's There's a quote here somewhere. Following the attack, Pelosi underwent surgery to treat a skull fracture at the Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital. By the way, I saw what? some. Because, no, because. Uh, no relation? No, Zuck, Zuck and his wife, uh, Priscilla Chan, donated a giant pile of money to San Francisco the General Facebook Hospital. And, hospital. It sounds they, like a bad hospital. They got the name painted on the front of it uh, for their generous donation. I assume that was a condition I of the some, generous donation. It's not like. Oh, I'm going to surprise you with naming it after. Isn't that like an understood thing? Yeah, probably. It probably depends. Uh, I wouldn't want my name. I saw some awful memeing going around. Ironic that he he was taken to Zuckerberg General, uh, considering this this attack never would have happened but for the sort of posts that go on (laughs) Facebook. And it's all it's all Zuckerberg's fault, and but now Zuckerberg's money is well, whatever. It's fucking stupid. <laughs> Everyone uh, has a beat online, and they stick to it religiously. Yep. Like it doesn't matter what happens; they got to work in their whatever. It's kind of almost amusing. Anyway, this fellow, this the pape guy. I gotta find the quote here. By the way, uh, still no uh, like a more presentable picture, like the picture that they've used uh, is is like this weird, unflattering picture. And that's all there is. Yeah. I'm not sure that there's a flattering picture of this <laughs> guy. Isn't some nudity, that, too? I mean, like, maybe they can find one of those. Maybe he's just not, like, an attractive Abe, I don't guy. know if you watched too much or any of, like, uh, the HBO program Real Sex back in the 90s. <laughs> I'm familiar with the show, yeah. But let me assure you that the people who are most enthusiastic about being <laughs> au natural in the world and, and willing to showcase their goods for the rest of us are generally not necessarily the most physically attractive people in the I population. See. Although I do have like 
No, I'm not going to get into this weird. <laughs> I have a weird. I have a weird take that okay. we're not going to get into say, here when it comes re, to you know retell some like I went to. An Why did you turn beach. to me when you said that? Because I was considering talking about a take that I don't think that I've discussed with you, but have sort of brushed upon when. Okay, well, we'll have to having talk after the show. Similar conversations this about this in the past. No, this is not about. This is not about what you're suggesting it might be about. It's not about that. I don't know what I'm suggesting. Right. Well, whatever you're thinking, (laughs) it's not that. It's not that. You know what I'm thinking? You've been thinking something and not telling me, which is what I always say you're doing and you say you're not doing. And it's because you're a fucking liar. I'm allowed to have an internal conversation with myself. This is perfectly acceptable. Workshopping ideas now to tell Lori later? Is that in your head? Everything's just... It's... Look... The things that go on in my brain are not for public I don't know consumption. why I even got married. After being Mirandized, DePape gave an interview to San Francisco Police Department officers in which he said he planned to hold Nancy hostage and that he saw her as the, quote, leader of the pack, end quote, of lies told by the Democratic Party. He said that he considered himself to be fighting, quote, unquote, tyranny and likened himself to the American founding fathers. As you pointed out, Abe, that is a bit of irony there considering he's Canadian. Although... I mean, those fuckers were largely transplants themselves. Right. But he, so, he, he, he perhaps, with a lapsed visa, twenty years, go, you know, like twenty-two years on, it's kind of a weird story. Right. DePape told the police that he planned to kidnap and interrogate Nancy and would break her kneecaps if she lied to him, believing that by doing so she would then have to be wheeled into Congress as a warning to other members of Congress. <laughs> like, like. Uh, Pelosi couldn't possibly hide the injuries, uh, and she would then have to cop to what happened. Like, oh, this this honorable man caught me in a lie. Like, I'm trying to think of what this guy is thinking. Like, I mean, aside from the any sort of random act of violence that is an assault on an 82 year old man, inherently you have to imagine that the perpetrator of that is unbalanced yes. in an important way. So that that's the baseline. Is this guy attacked an 82 year old with a hammer in the middle of the night? So he's probably not well. But then you talk to him, and it's like, well, what I really wanted was to kneecap the 82-year-old man's right. wife, who uh, herself is in her 80s. And I wanted to do that so that when she went on national right. television afterwards, right. everyone would know, yes. similar to like branding someone with a big right. A, uh, if they're an adulterer, right. that she would have to wear her shame on her right. kneecaps. And everyone knows that uh, the broken kneecaps of a woman is uh, the result tell, of lying. The, the, yes. wages, the wages of lying to the American people is broken kneecaps. Everyone knows right. this. So, and also, so I, I don't need a manifesto or anything right. like that. And also, that. Uh, breaks into this home, uh, doesn't even bother to to determine whether or not his main target, if they're at home or they're back at their work residence in D.C., that's not important. Uh, and also, no harm from the uh, the story you described from the reporting. There's no harm done until the help arrives, right? I mean, like, basically, he had ample opportunity to to bludgeon old man Pelosi while he's in his bed, right. like not, not allow him to relieve himself in the bathroom or whatever, you know, uh, just to assault him right there and then. But he does nothing until the, the cops arrive and at the last Right, because in his head, in the head of the crazy person, there's a rational progression of but events But is that a suicide here, by cop? Is, like, is he trying to set up a scenario where I'm, he— I'm not here, I'm not here for right. you, man. I'm here for the right. old lady. 
right? Like he thinks that there's actually some logic going on here and that when Nancy gets back, then he'll do his unfortunate act of uh, American right. patriotism. That, that, that would make sense. But like Nancy Pelosi still wasn't there and he still then assaulted him. So right, I'm I think I think that the by the time the cops got there, it was we were now in panic mode and we're not sure exactly where this okay. is going. And if Pelosi is grasping for the hammer to try to get control of it because he's scared of this guy, like, I don't know. I don't. I wasn't there, right. presumably. Uh, the reason that there was a sudden struggle with the hammer is because when the, somebody knocked on the door, Pelosi bolted for the door, and DePape didn't care for that particular action. And then, therefore, apparently he fucked up his arm, too, uh, in a defensive way. He was trying to guard his face from the hammer blows. Anyway, that seems to be the story, and there are... This this goes to conspiracy thinking in general, but like people think that like you're just asking questions, you're questioning the official narrative, and that we've been lied to in the past, and so it's it's foolish to just believe the official narrative, and that there's always more to the story. That's a good instinct if you're a junior in high school and you're reading The Lord of the Flies and you're trying to like come up with a, a literary criticism of this, this work of art. It's a very bad way, generally speaking, to approach actual physical reality, right? right? It's, it's, it's just rarely the case that the CIA is using mind-controlled drugs. Like, does it happen? Yeah, yeah. unfortunately. Attempts were made, but not, uh, not successful. right. But it's not the case that, like, most of the time we are being collectively lied to because it's it's just very hard But is to that do. what's happening in a situation like this? It seems to me like the primary motivation was a sympathetic story is happening towards a political adversary. So I'm going to minimize, deny that possibility. And in the, you know, few hours, day or so where the information is kind of coming uh, to fore – I can get ahead of it by coming up with some concocted, implausible story and let that spread. And the reason why it spreads is because people would rather believe that, that this, these characters that you don't like, uh, I'm not, I don't want to feel bad for them. And so I'm going to minimize and make fun of an attempted, I don't know, like, I, I guess it's not assassination based on what he's saying because he wasn't trying to kill her, but like it, it, right. it was – an attempt to assault the th third in line f for the presidency. Like it, it, it's, it seems kind of serious, but the way that it has been processed. Well, the seriousness of the, the seriousness of the event works against it, right? Because people are like, so you're telling me that a fucking maniac can just take a hammer and a couple rolls of tape and some zip ties and bash in their back window and have that level of easy access to the speaker of the right. fucking house. Like you're telling me it's actually just that easy. It's like, well, but it is. Yeah, actually, but I mean, un it unfortunately, it is. But that—that's like, oh, so uh, I guess she didn't have her whole fleet of rent -a cops that she usually has on duty. It's like, no, man. I think that, like, as we're talking about before, like laws are just fucking there. Crazy people break them all the fucking right. time. To that point, I mean, the security detail doesn't extend to family when you're the speaker of the house. It's not like you're the president or something, right? So, like, if she's not at home with her husband. The, the, I'm sure they have a very light security setup when it's just him, right? Like all the security right. apparatus is with the Speaker of the House, as it should be. So it's not like uh, he would be protected from that, you know, like there's some sort of like 
breakdown in security. It's just like he was at home. Right. Just like you see these uh, clips of people ambushing Supreme Court justices or a Ted Cruz like eating it somewhere. I mean, somebody could easily just bludgeon them to death. I mean, they're not the Speaker of the House, but they're high-ranking senators and they're one of nine justices. If somebody wants to, most of these people... Out- right. It's why, it's why I always feel weird about people doing the man-on-the-street confrontations of political leaders, even though like I recognize like it's our fucking right. right. They're just our our employees, our representatives on in, in government. But like confronting somebody in the streets of Washington or there's like awkward video of somebody trailing right. Lindsey Graham through the airport or whatever like that always makes me feel weird because i know as distasteful a human being as i find ted cruz or lindsey graham he must feel incredibly exposed yeah. and vulnerable and and yeah if you want to we could play the feminist game here and it's oh, way yeah. worse if yeah you're i can't woman, imagine right? yeah like <laughs> it's like as distasteful as i find aoc or or marjorie taylor green or any of them and of course with taylor green it's going to be the opposite she's the asshole who's confronting somebody right. on the street saying gross things but like i always feel i in a weird way i feel like just humanly bad for somebody who is exposed and vulnerable in that way because there are so many fucking crazy people in the world the pape guy is not the only person in the world that's like this right there's plenty of these weirdos that are just kind of mingling about right and it takes a certain kind of weirdo like to an extent just Getting into an angry confrontation with someone on the side of the road, even if they're not a public person, like okay, you're probably a weirdo. Right. right. Like, like, that that there's a there's a uh, automatically built into that interaction is something that makes you feel uncomfortable. And and on the other hand, it's not just the political enemies of the Pelosi's who are willing to like think about them in the worst possible light. This is a fucking multimillionaire who lives in an estate in Napa Valley or where the fuck they live. And like he's disconnected from he's he's a the definition of an American elite. And so it's not just the crazy right wingers who think yeah, but that uh, that fucking guy gets up to some weird shit, so I might believe some weird stuff about him that that some random person is going to say on the internet. I think that goes for a lot know, of people who don't I, have particular political right, opinions. But again, th- uh, th- th- there was motivated reasoning into thinking what people were thinking on the first day or two. There, the story doesn't make sense. How did he, this guy had to have surgery for a broken skull? Like, you think this was some sort of like? Right. So, that went so to, be, to, to explain what the first what the first sort of conspiracy theories were that I saw that went around was that this yeah. was a a lover's tryst gone right. awry that that somehow Paul Pelosi with Nancy Ooh. with with Nancy Pelosi off gallivanting and doing her politics thing in Washington right. D.C. Speaking of which, new Jerry Falwell Jr. documentary Ooh. today on Hulu. Yeah. So that. Uh, Apparently, the the theory goes that Paul Pelosi, who's married to Nancy Pelosi, they've been together for forever. They have like seven grandchildren or something at this point, and multiple children. He's actually uh, all along uh, some sort of sexual deviant or pervert in some way or just simply a homosexual. And so he was uh, trawling the apps for uh, man-ass while Nancy was across the country, and that this devolved into an unfortunate a homosexual domestic situation uh, where both men apparently were in their underwear, in their undergarments when the police arrived, which was uh, turns out not right. to be true. And also the other thing that turns out not to be true is that some police officer said to somebody that a third party answered the door, and that apparently is also right. wrong, that there was no third party involved. It was just Paul Pelosi. So this was not 
as was initially as as made and I, it sounds silly, but like it really made the rounds. Like it was I everywhere mean, on right wing Twitter. And, and the sources, uh, I mean, it, it was uh, the new owner of uh, the new Twitter overlord, uh, Elon Musk himself, retweeted on like a artic, uh, like a website that's apparently made up, just like some one of these like spoof. I want this to be true. Uh, uh, websites that people just m- well, make they, up they, stories. They, pre- they don't present themselves as parody. They don't present themselves as satire. They present themselves as a. It's the Santa Monica Observer, right. and they purport to be an actual legitimate source. Is this for the same news. Uh, outlet uh, that uh, reported Hillary dead at some point, or is that another? Yeah. Okay. This is the same outlet that reported that. Hillary Clinton died at some point in 2014 or 2016 and was replaced with a robot <laughs> or a, or a, either a, either a robot or just a replacement uh, version of Hillary. Obviously, I mean that obviously is true. That was quite a scoop that they got. But again, the, the, uh, the, the people who want these stories to be true will not uh, spend any time trying to verify or just doing an additional search to see if any other outlet has picked up the story. It's just like, ha ha, this is good. I want this to be true. Right. So Hillary's got Hillary's got her tens of millions of followers, and she posts something about how this is an unfortunate result of a culture of political violence or something yeah. like that, and we need to blah, 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 blah. And Elon tweets something snarky like, what yeah. if I told yeah. you that there was, there was m- much more to this story than, than initially met the eye with a link to this Santa Monica Observer article, which insists that this was a lover's tryst gone violent and that, that Paul was trying to get some from Mr. DePape, which is just total, it's total fucking right. nonsense. And you read through the comments and you read through the other tweets on this and people they either believe it or they're just so excited right. to believe it that they might as right. well believe it. The actual truth of the thing doesn't matter. And, like, it's to be clear, it's a problem. Elon eventually deletes his tweet, but, you know, he's got 112 million followers or something like that. But beyond that, he's... The, he's now currently the main character on Twitter all of the time and has inserted himself into our lives in a way that is like just completely unacceptable yes. to me. <laughs> there's way <laughs> like, too much Elon Musk coverage. Uh, it's kind of like there's too much coverage, but like it's – yeah, it's a little – enough of these two. It's that and it, it's the phenomenon of, of my Google News feed filling with Giselle Boonchin and Tom Brady divorce news. And like, no matter how much I try not to interact with it, the next time I pull up my Google News feed, there will be three more stories <laughs> about Tom Brady and Giselle Bündchen. I so do not care that I don't. And I, as a as a long time hater <laughs> and a passionate despiser of Tom Brady, you would think, yeah, give me that, give me that good Tom <laughs> no, Brady that's content. Weird. Like, no, I don't fucking right. care. Stop feeding me Tom Brady shit. Unless Tom Brady went on his podcast and talked about like the cancer curing properties. Or like of how a, of a glass much of his water. life is similar to a yes. soldier. That was funny. <laughs> right. Unless Tom Brady is talking about how being an NFL quarterback <laughs> is the same life as being a grunt in the Marines, then I don't I don't want to hear about his stupid right. fucking divorce or his prenuptial agreement or whether or not Giselle is dating again right. already. Like holy yeah. shit. A do little I not less of care. that, yeah. But that's what the ingesting Elon news is like. And, but, but not even from like the sun.co.uk trying to shove it into my feed. This is like the New York Times and the Washington Post all day long with the Elon bullshit. Like we, we, he doesn't have to be that at this level of uh, import in any of our consciousnesses. Right. On, on, on the, the issue with the, the, the bludgeoning of the, 
the crazy guy. Like, what is your take on, like, how would you classify this? Because it, on my end, it's like textbook, A this is political, right? His motivations, as he claims, is political. He is seeking out somebody for political reasons. Like, on one hand, that is all true. So it has to, by definition, be an attempt for political reasons to, to harm somebody, right? So this is not simply a crazy guy. It's a crazy guy with this political motivation. And the closest comparison I can draw is when the Asian hate stuff was happening, although I'm sure maybe it's still happening, but remember, there'll be a lot of like crazy, like homeless looking people assaulting these poor, unsuspecting Asian people a lot of times like in New York City. And they would say, you know, if there's any sort of like eyewitness account or some audio, it's like something derogatory about Chinese people or the flu, you know, uh, the uh, Chinese this. Basically a lot of like textbook, this is racial animus, right? This is what's driving the bludgeoning of these old people that are just going about their day. And so like on one hand, that's also Asian hate. That is a uh, a hate crime textbook wise. But then I'm always still thinking, well, these people are so crazy that just whatever is in their environment, it just kind of gravitate to and latch onto. And that's what's explaining it. So like I'm kind of thrown off because I'm like, am I denying these people agency? Like they're responsible for glomming onto whatever nonsense or is it like they're just crazy and just whatever is happening at that moment whether it's some sort of a asian issue or whether it's like a political thing yeah. like i don't know how to kind of uh settle on any of the hate crime conversation comes down to to me a question of what have we decided we're going to pay attention to this right. month more than more than almost anything else and so they say that there's a huge rise in hate crimes and that we can attribute that to the rhetoric of Donald Trump around Among the pandemic, others, yeah. and he called yeah. it the he called it the China virus, and he called it the the Wuhan yeah. flu or whatever the fuck, and he's explicitly and also implicitly blaming China for this horrible thing that's befallen him and also therefore right. the country, and then so there's there's been a rise in Asian oriented hate crimes as a result. But that's uh, utterly nonsensical when you look at the perpetrators of these of the crimes that we're talking about, because the ones that come to mind are almost entirely either uh, homeless and insane black right. men in urban right. centers or weird virgin massage parlor denizens in right. Atlanta who have lots of problems with uh, the fact that they get right. boners, right? The, the, the boner shame. It's not like a religious kind of uh, thing, right? Like it's like it's religious, right? Which had nothing to do with uh, it had Asian nothing hate to do with it, as we were meant. They were on the business end of it, right? So it's like he was targeting uh, those massage parlors, which are predominantly uh, at, at least at the locations he was frequenting. Yes. And 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 as we said yeah. at the time, that there's an interesting conversation to be had about the way that we've sexualized this one particular group of women who are allowed or encouraged in some cultural way to go provide this service for a largely white male clientele, and that's fucked up in various ways. But it certainly has nothing to do with the China right. virus. It certainly right. has nothing to do with Donald right. that Trump. Did not, right. And the way that the hate crime conversation is framed is that it's about some sort of right-wing response to, that, it, that, it, that it's a right-wing intolerance, and not right-wing in the sort of reactionary, generalized political sense but in the very specific american political uh frame of understanding our politics which doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense if it's uh, a inner city black guy who's been homeless for 
or in jail for 10 right. out of the last 20 years and who like randomly assaults an Asian lady walking down the street. And it doesn't make sense if it's a guy in Atlanta shooting up massage parlors. And so like but- the insistence that this is about – that, that that this can be linked to a trend or it's about this one very specific thing to me largely has to do with the convenience of a, of a narrative coming from the media that's decided on something ahead of time. And yeah, I, go ahead and make the objection uh, so here. So it, it's not so much an objection. I'm gonna, I was going to introduce some uh, psychobabble like um, from my sociology days. Have you ever heard of this uh, term like it's a social contagion, right? So basically it's like – People, there's this tendency psychologically for people to mimic and react to what is around them. So this, if they're just if they're just being fed, the Asians did this, all this disruption, right? And so you're just some like crazy person who's susceptible to that sort of like, oh, people are saying it, and they start targeting people who fit that mold. I mean, you said earlier that random. Asian people, but the the fact that they were Asian was not random. I mean, the Atlanta one is an outlier. It's a separate kind of thing because that was the whole. Right. But in New York and other big cities where you have those, just some random guy just punching the shit out of some old Asian person, you're they're saying, "Oh, get out of my country," or some some. They're saying things that are like, yeah, and and. and- and all I'm su- all I'm suggesting is that because we have the narrative in place that Donald Trump is against right. the Asians, right? Then any any violence that right. happens be, to yes. the Asians becomes part of that right. story. And if there's an uptick in violence, it's pure academic bullshit. It's a it's a it's a total game of fitting the facts to whatever right. narrative it is right. that you have. And yet, if if you wanted to say that the uptick in violence was because of uh, generalized fear of Asians, because of a misunderstanding of the entire uh, pandemic and and what they did to us, quote unquote, or something along those lines, I'll read that article. Right. And I'll, uh, but so <laughs> you, okay, you don't give like, it too much I, credence. I, similarly, right. Similarly, if you told me that uh, this is just what happens because uh, in this pandemic moment we're having a, a, a spate of increased uh, interpersonal assaults on our city streets because people are fucking antisocial right now and, and misbehaving in really unfortunate antisocial ways. And we now have picked out these six assaults in San Francisco that fit the mold of the other thing. Yes. Like I, I just as easily believe that, that this is just a result of – a coarsening of interpersonal relationships in general as a result of the pandemic and lockdowns and all the all of the rest of it. So you don't uh, subscribe to the thinking that if there's if there was a lot of chatter, if a lot of people were just saying negative things about you know like this Kyrie guy, this basketball adult who's saying who's retweeting something about like some anti-Semitic thing. Like if there's a lot of anti-Semitism just kind of floating about, somebody's going to latch on to it. And cause harm to somebody who's Jewish, right? Uh, same thing, like I said, with the Chinese, with the Asian thing, and and with the political rhetoric, right? The person, they're, they're not ideological; they're just kind of crazy, but they'll latch on to whatever is happening in the moment. And I'm not sure what can be done about that, other than just to kind of, hey, shut the fuck up about all this. Uh, let's, you know, like do harm to our political opponents, right? I mean, right. But but you couldn't like attribute it like to say okay this is exactly this one person's fault other than the person actually did the thing right i'm reminded of course of jared loffner uh, the psychopath 
Like the the obviously mentally unwell Which person one is who he? shot Gabby Giffords. Oh, okay, gotcha. Okay, he got roped into this as some sort of a political act when he was he was just a complete fucking right. lunatic right. nut job. Right. It didn't really have anything to Wait, do with so that. I uh, I mean I guess with, there's so many of these things happen. Uh, what what that was the extent of it? He w- was just some crazy guy and he saw uh, a political function that was like outside some like I don't know grocery store. Yeah, it was non. It was completely non non ideological. Uh, I'll I'll pull it up here just to refresh okay. the memory, but so just like, but like he didn't like set out to like oh that that day like it was just kind of like he was driving around and he was like oh let me just kill these people because even though the the member of Congress survived I mean she still has a lot of damage as a result of it but a lot of people died from that right didn't he kill like a bunch of people like five or ten people Lofner shot shot and injured a total of thirteen people including one man who was injured while subduing him. Killed six, six. injured okay. thirteen. Yeah. There we go. So yeah, he so just j- killed people. January of 2011. His views on politics, according to Wikipedia, uh, records show that Lofner was registered at Independent, voted 0608, but not 2010. According to a former friend, Lofner had expressed longstanding dislike for Gabby Giffords. Uh, that is very random. Often, often said that women should not hold positions of power. Uh-oh. He repeatedly derided Giffords as a fake. The belief intensified after he attended a 2007 event where she did not, in his view, sufficiently answer his question. The question was, what is government if words have no meaning? Uh, Another one of so. these. <laughs> not, not sure. Bob, that's the next episode, I want you to answer that question. <laughs> not sure how what you answer that. What is government if words have no meaning? question to the satisfaction of someone like Lofner. But anyway, it was not specifically political in any way that can be identified just, just pure women right, hatred right. not it, political on any sort of standard ideological spectrum and it certainly had nothing to do with sarah palin and there was there was insinuation by an op-ed by the that New she York was culpable Times, because uh, of her pack that was like the, the thinking right that that she was in some way responsible and that's a that's sort of a complete sideline to what we're talking about here and i i recognize that but there's an extent – uh, don't say extent to which. <laughs> Why? Because, as I've said before on the show, extent to which is a weasel word that allows for both you to be oh, right about this right. to to 1% <laughs> yes, yeah, or yeah. Uh, it's a whole spectrum from 1% to 100%. And everybody is fucking right about it 1% of the way. Like It's <laughs> utterly fucking meaningless. So what we're sort of dancing around here is this idea – that this was motivated by a right-wing ideology in some way, that the the rhetoric of the right, Donald Trump and his fellow Republicans over the last couple of years, going back to... If you want to go back to the, the coarsening of the political dialogue at the hands of Donald Trump, I, I do not mean to downplay that at all, right? Like, I, I think it we sort of changed something about the way politics is talked about the the use of that stupid phrase the overton window is is annoying to me but when trump gets on stage at a rally and says he'll pay the medical bills of anybody who beats up the protester who's just shown up at a political rally to voice their opposition to him as a political figure and trump calls out from the stage uh get that get that asshole out of here and beat him up on the way and i'll pay your lawyers bills if uh if you get sued for beating this guy up that's a like 
you can get all sort of sorkin and hyperbolic about what that says about American political discourse and all the rest. But I think there's a lot to that. Like there, there is something that is fundamentally unacceptable about calls to violence in that way, even if it is taken largely as a joke, even if it is just bullshit sort of macho bravado stuff. Because uh, right. you know that Donald Trump isn't getting down in the scrum with anybody and, and busting any noses or anything along those lines. But the, the, the thing is that at least one person will not take it as a joke, right? I mean, weren't there incidents where like somebody – like somebody on the other side who was at one of these uh, events and he got cold cocked by some old geezer right. because I don't know if that happened before or after him talking it up, but saying those kind of things, it's kind of like uh, going back to the that NASCAR. I played a video game once thing where like these norms that are, that are there to kind of keep the peace. As soon as those kind of fall apart, I mean, in NASCAR, it doesn't matter who cares, but like in this setting, it's kind of encouraging the next person to somebody's going to be worse than um, a, a Trump uh, or somebody's going to be worse than that guy, and, right. and so on and so forth. And that's forth. why, like, when I was talking earlier about personal responsibility, like, I take that very seriously that you should not just say shit, even recognizing that you're allowed to say whatever the fuck it is that you want to say. Like, you should not just be saying shit willy nilly just right. because you can and just because it gets a right. rise out of the people in the audience. Because, as you're saying, there's right. going to be someone in the audience that's going to take it too fucking far. And recognizing and, and appreciating that political violence is a rational outcome from a coarsening of the political dialogue. I think that you can recognize that and still not insist that this is a function of right-wing ideology in a way that left-wing ideology doesn't produce. And when there is this hyper-focus on any violent act that happens at the hands of someone claiming or or who can be reasonably assumed to, to be behaving as a result of right-wing ideology or right-wing beliefs... At the same time that the baseball shooting of of Steve Scalise and the other uh, people on the on the field of the baseball game by a Bernie Sanders supporter is largely ignored, except by right wing media. Not that the event itself was ignored, but you did not hear right. week after week about the Bernie Sanders ideology being responsible for. No, but that, that, that's true. But don't you think part of that is because there wasn't a minimization? Of course, and I'm not trying. Uh, I'm not trying to draw Ace a Galice, direct. I'm not he, trying to you know, do the, yeah. the both sides thing here. I'm studiously right. trying to avoid that. But right, every ideology that takes itself seriously is going to inevitably open itself up to maniacs who take it too far. Right? Like if right. if you believe the things that you actually say that you believe, then you are unlikely to compromise on those things. Right? That is what a fundamentalism is. Right? So whether it's religion or politics or sports or any stupid tribalism that we uh, either are naturally sorted into or choose to sort ourselves into as a culture – any line drawing of any kind that a belief system or an ideology is going to do, if you take it seriously, is going to result in crazy people taking it too fucking far. And, and right. absolutism and fundamentalism are definitionally anathema 
to pluralism, to the idea that we can peacefully coexist and simply have a, a competition of ideas and let the marketplace of ideas decide, to have a fundamentalist belief that you are right and they are wrong is in opposition to classical liberalism, essentially, right? right. And that taking right. these sorts of fundamental beliefs to their natural conclusions is going to result in crazy people doing uh, antisocial things. Any ideology, whether it's left-wing or right-wing, is going to result in crazy people doing crazy things. And this is just another example of that. And it, I don't like pinning it on the particulars of the ideology because it is in fact ideology writ large the the sort of category that's at fault here this guy could have glommed on to anything he was not a lifelong devoted republican he didn't start like he right. only started blogging about this in august or something like he's just like like you were saying earlier he's just a fucking nudist activist uh yeah who had trouble keeping a job because he was a fucking crazy person and then all of a sudden he gloms onto this crazy QAnon shit and it's allowed to infect his brain because he's a fucking person whose receptors are open to that sort of thing and whose chemicals don't fucking function properly and it has nothing to do with the fundamental uh, anything resembling a politics anything resembling ideology at all except that uh, you can make yourself believe something so completely that other people no longer count as people any longer right and i think you, you're right you you couldn't you know you can see this kind of sort of thing happen regardless of the ideology the troubling thing though is the reaction to the story in the past, I think even like a year or two ago, there have been at least some like condemnation and distancing and uh, or what have you. Like this person doesn't do blah, blah, blah. And maybe maybe I missed it uh, this go around. It mostly seems like it's just like we're just going to minimize it and make fun. Yeah, make they're just laughing it. about like, it. And it's completely I know, it's but completely condemnable. They should be fucking right. ashamed of themselves, but they have no shame. But like if you're making fun of this and minimizing it and saying that this is a San Francisco crime problem and not actually right. about anything beyond that, I think you're you're obviously being a disingenuous asshole. Right, right. And, and I think th there's an argument there. You're right. On the other side, yeah, fine. I mean, the, uh not the other side, but on the on the on the on the argument that like, hey, you're pinning this to an ideology. Like this person didn't seem, by all accounts, ideological, but the reaction to what happened and the making fun and making light that somebody besides this crazy guy is going to take ownership of that because a lot of people are doing that. I mean, like, didn't uh, Trump's kid like post something like you know? like underwear with a hammer and like just a lot of like, okay, you know, somebody could, could have easily died. I mean, this, uh, Pelosi's husband was endangered because the person is crazy, but he also lived to tell about it because the guy was crazy. He was making a lot of like ra random choices. Like right. on one hand, I'm going to break in and, and, and present violence, but I'm not actually going to cause violence until somebody can actually stop me from like finishing the job. Like it was kind of a weird situation. And, and to just say, ah, oh, what are you going to do if these things happen? It's like, come on, this is not normal. It seems to me to be another example of where we need to bring hypocrisy back. We need to, we need to allow for hypocrisy to exist in a more prominent way in the culture and, and have it be celebrated rather than denigrated all of the time. A, a political Enter Herschel Walker. So yeah, maybe, but like a political hypocrite can profess to believe a whole series of things that are entirely irreconcilable with the opposing viewpoint, 
and then simply move along and disagree when things don't go their way. Somebody who really believes the, the things that they profess to believe can't allow for that. You cannot be an ideologue and a pluralist. It, they, the two things right. don't really go together. Uh, and to the extent that they do, it tell it puts the lie to the thing that you claim explains everything about the world, right? Right. And more than hypocrisy, it's a recognition that maybe we don't or cannot know what is totally right. So hypocrisy, in a way, is just basic humility. Like it's it's a it's a humbleness before the fact that we can't actually know the things that we profess to know or or at the very least that we can't know we might know what we believe is right but we recognize that what we believe is right might not necessarily be right for everyone else and that ultimately uh to that extent the things that we believe don't actually matter all that much <laughs> like right. they, they can feel I, yeah. like they matter a lot and it can feel important and you can do all of this stuff but like at the end of the day you have to recognize that we're all running into the same fucking brick walls here and it's the the brick wall of our the limitations of our ignorance and knowledge in in that way that's the sort of hypocrisy that I'm totally fine with and I think we need to encourage to 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 be engendered in our politicians there's the old thing about the the smarmy senators who go on the on the floor of, of Congress and they're fighting tooth and nail and they fucking hate each other and they're, they're calling each other names on the Sunday programs and all the rest. And then they go out to dinner and they're having drinks and they ask about each other's wives. And really it's just a good old boys club. It's like, yeah, that's, I suppose that's gross, but also it's actually like really fucking good. Like it's, it's, it's healthy too, because you're, 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 you're passionately arguing a pol- political point, a policy that's separate from, you're a bad person. Like, yeah, you have some stupid ideas, but we're colleagues and we'll argue the point when we should and then move on when we shouldn't. And none of us none of us have the fucking divine authority required to understand exactly what the right answer is, right? But we, we right. have the a culture that is not and it's not just a political culture. It's we have this moralizing, uh, self-aggrandizing moral culture of i know what's right and every nobody else the fuck does and if you disagree with me you're denying my humanity and and therefore we've now ra- we, we it's a constant raising of the stakes to just absolutely absurd levels that nobody can actually back down from right because if one right. person says this is about my existential right to live the way that i ought to live then the other side automatically fucking goes there right right Perversely, it sort of connects to the free speech thing, too, because you allow free expression not because all of that expression is good or true, but because so much of it doesn't fucking matter, especially when it's wrong. It just doesn't fucking matter. It just goes away. And to try to control it makes far too big a deal out of it rather than just letting it sort of go away in the wind like like fucking tears and rain. Another problem that, that seems to be getting worse is that the fact that so many people now are captured by one party, right? I mean, you know, the cross, you know, voting for a Republican mayor and a Democratic president, you know, those kind of things would be more commonplace in the past. Now it seems to be because everybody's just in their own side that uh, you you're basically cap, uh, captive to whatever side you're on because you can't possibly – the way that it's set up, vote for the other side because they're so far apart uh, that it's impossible. So now the only transgression is within the party, right? So you can run afoul of, let's say, the head of one party, like of, of Trump. If you're a Republican, 
you can get in a lot of trouble, regardless of what policy you pushed in the past, whatever benefit you gave to your constituents. If you run afoul of the head guy or if you run afoul of some principle that everybody believes in, within your group, you're out. But anything you do that is uh, the other side doesn't like, it means nothing. So, like, there isn't any cost that's paid by hypocrisy. Like, you know, the uh, Herschel Walker, uh, all of that stuff, that doesn't matter. Like, he still is within not even striking distance. Like, he's basically he has a very good shot of winning because he didn't he didn't say anything negative about his side right, right. and so like all of these bad behaviors uh, will not be checked. There's no cost to those sort of bad behaviors. The only cost is if you go against something that's on your team. And so we're going to probably get more and more less than ideal candidates running because they're like, all I got to do is just pay lip service to whatever bullshit my side is into. And I can get away with almost murder because the people will still show up to vote for my side because of the banner that I'm running under. Right. And so this is going to get a more coarse kind of environment. Uh, the further we go in this direction, we just we need to find a way to lower the stakes because, in, in a weird way, as important as all of this stuff is, none of it fucking matters. Like, and it, like, right. I I know that that is it's wildly unfashionable to say that, but I feel like I say that every week. No, I know, but people, and it's unfashionable because it feels everything feels so fucking fraught right now because you have the. The Dobbs decision comes down. It's like, what? You're going to tell me it doesn't fucking matter if there's Democrats or Republicans when the we've just overturned 50 years of Roe in this country? And, and now, right. you know, like you can you can take it in a million different directions and people will tell you that all of it very much does fucking matter. And they're right to an extent. But it's also, I think, in otherwise relatively mundane conversations about things, it's important to remember how little of anything that is said fucking matters. And, like, you can just let people be wrong. You can just lower the stakes of any given conversation. Be like, ah, that, that. That was my New Year's resolution, like, three years ago. Well, good. <laughs> uh, McCorder, John McCorder wrote a piece for the his newsletter in the New York Times. It's entitled Racism and Theater Then and Now. It's dated today. It just came out this evening. Oh, look at that. And I read it before we started tonight. And he starts with an anecdote of being in a production of How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, which is a, a musical. Uh, he was in this production when he was in college. And he, he believes that he was not cast in a couple of the uh, larger musical numbers not asked to perform in them because of his race, that the only thing that was separating him uh, from the people who were cast, the only rational explanation was that he was black and and they were white. Uh, But he didn't make a big stink of it at the time, but it informed the way that he sees the world, and understandably so. And he, he then goes on to list a number of examples of racism in the theater as uh, currently understood by the current generation. And and the examples are are fairly ridiculous. I'll just read from the end of his article here. The issue with all of these cases is that the claims of racism are quite simply forced. It almost seems as if the claimants are seeking something to be indignant about out of a sense that this makes them progressive, morally advanced people. But it is unclear what purpose this kind of performative and circular hypersensitivity serves. 
To look upon these new claims with skepticism is not about being in denial about racism, but about addressing black people with common sense, assuming that we are, or at least should be, as capable of acknowledging progress and making intelligent distinctions as anyone else. To wit, these days the black kid sitting in the wings for no reason but his skin color should call out the racism. Sometimes I wish I had said something back in the 1980s. But here and now, non-black people of color mad that they weren't consulted about black American slavery, calling it racist that a white actor is reluctant to snarl a slur too crisply, calling it an affront to mental health to have white bigots use the N-word in a play about the Freedom Riders, Folks, this is less anti-racism than performance. The people indulging in it would serve themselves and all of us better by channeling the performative impulse into their work. I couldn't agree with that more. And I think it, th this notion of a, a performance of victimhood can be applied not just here in the context of uh, this, the questions of race, but basically everywhere else. That we're a culture awash in, in these overdramatic performances of victimhood. And, the, and, the, and the, that is an old thing to complain about, that, that, that everybody just wants to play the victim. But well, isn't that is, the, 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 the squeaky wheel gets the grease, as they say? You know, I mean, they, you make a lot of uh, fuss. Even, you know, kids would just, just so the attention is drawn on them. You know, it's kind of like a, it's not like a new thing. Uh, and, and, and right now, what's... But it's not, it's not any less childish for being not No, that's new. true. But, but, but think about it. I mean, the, the currency of the realm online seems to be this sort of thing. Like something happened to me that was negative and I'm going to share it with you. And people see, oh, this is getting a lot of play. Uh, you know what? Uh, that did happen to me. Like they kind of like fish for some past experience. Like, yes, and when I was 11, uh, somebody didn't, you know, give me the right candy. And it's because I was right. A, but B, and C. Crucially, none of it fucking matters, actually. Right. Like right. the right. things that we say, the things that that are apparently doing great harms to us, even putting aside like Twitter. Right. Like Twitter is going to disappear. No one will know anything. Like we, I mentioned, the, I think I said in passing a couple of weeks ago, like the, the way that I'm amused when people talk about in all of NFL history, as though it's like this is like <laughs> shit that's been happening in the Pantheon for 2000 years or something like, no, it's, it's fucking my grandfather watched that happen. Nobody fucking is going to care about this shit in, in 150 years. Are you out of your goddamn mind? None of it fucking matters. Twitter could be, just be, be erased tomorrow by accident because of a weird magnetic pulse. And nobody would like nothing would be lost. Nothing, nothing of consequence would would right. go away there. And, like, there's this tweet today. There's so little contemporary literature that has the potential to be classic, i.e. to be appreciated outside its immediate context. Nobody in 100 years is going to read – she lists a couple of authors who I've never heard of – as literature, even if they might read them as cultural history. It's like that is fundamentally true, and then it, the point is illustrated by a list of the the top 10 books as sold – in 1922 so the bestseller top 10 from a hundred years ago and like one of them is by a recognizable author it's right. sinclair lewis and it's not even a book of his that anybody fucking reads anymore like it's right. not oil yeah, by sinclair lewis it's it just some here. other random book that he wrote right right none of this then, fucking matters even but, even the the most important things that we read that we that we engage with today none of it fucking matters right in the grand scheme of things you're you're right but uh, going back to the the people who were 
not, not to be uh, uh, unkind, but like uh, just from what he's saying, it sounds like people are fishing for compliments or uh, fishing for sympathy. Basically, they're saying things about their past because other people are also doing the same thing. And they're within their in-group, people are like, they're there. It sucks. We're on the same page. We have this common you know, hardship or whatever. And it's whatever. A lot of times it's kind of like dressed up as something more than it is. But in the grand scheme of things, is, do, you, do you find this is like a harmful thing in the grand scheme of things? Or is it just whatever? Or is it going to pass through? It would be one thing if it was just if it was just a question of trying to engender likes on Twitter or Instagram or what have you. But when it comes to, like, seizing power, it gets fucking weird. So this is also from the McWhorter article. The manifesto, so he's talking about a person who has signed on to a movement called... Uh, we See You White American Theater, which emerged after the murder of George Floyd in 2020. The group's manifesto calls for the utter transformation of American theater according to the tenets of modern anti-racism. And I mean transformation. Quote, as the global majority, we demand a bare minimum of 50% BIPOC representation in programming and personnel, both on and off stage, the manifesto states. We demand BIPOC critics, marketing reps, and PR consultants cover our shows, as well as those by white artists note the assumption that white theater criticism is inherently unfair to people of color with racism the apparent cause the manifesto also in includes that protocols for disrupting racist incidents and repairing harm after an accumulation of aggressions volitional or accidental should be normalized without penalizing the harmed party the show must not go on if our well-being is compromised the guiding assumption here is that theater performers of color undergo ongoing racial assault with their well-being ever under threat and any claim that an offense was accidental is so far-fetched that the very word must be put in scare quotes so yeah on the one hand are they just fucking doing it for the likes perhaps but there's a there's an attempt here to also seize power and to right. diminish the power of others uh out of this perceived harm and like sorry none of it fucking matters like you're, right. <laughs> you're not also, you're, you're not transforming the goddamn world by insisting that because you're part of the global majority that you should get an excess number of people uh according to the, the fucking fundamentals of your skin phenotype. Like, it, right. like it, it is completely anathema to the way that we're supposed to see the world. Right. It, it, it seems like there, they, they, uh, some, some uh, spy an opportunity to uh, exploit whatever the current mood is, and they're trying to extract all of these concessions. And the, the wise thing to do would be to not do that. Just say we hear, you know, I guess give lip service and say we're going to look into it, but don't actually... Just because somebody says something doesn't make it true. Like, what do they say? Like, oh, it's so far-fetched you even doubt these claims? Like, no, you can doubt things. I mean, so, uh, some in some occasions, these things actually do happen. If you express that doubt, then now you are doing material harm to their to the, to the oh, cause no, no, no. of their life. I know don't it's, say it's, it. Just don't do nothing. Like, I'm telling you, it's, right. it, it is literally like, uh, like the, the rip current thing that I would say. Just wait it out. Before yeah. you know it, the moment will pass, and then just say, oh, by the way, I uh, have an answer for you. Fuck off. But don't say it in the moment where, where all the attention is there because then you're going to be caught up in nonsense online. Right. I don't know. I, just to finish up, I think it is understandable to want to draw a line between right-wing ideology and the coarsening of the dialogue but I don't think that it is particularly smart because eventually the things that you believe 
will engender insanity in an insane person and bad shit will be done in your name and you don't want to have to own that any more than these people want to have to own this. And right. this is just a fucking crazy person who's uh, a fucking feather on the wind, Forrest Gump style, floating about who gets who got hooked into something that lined up with his particular brand of insanity in a way that produced this result. And it, and to an extent, like it's just what fucking happens sometimes, and it sucks. And like the reaction, sh- the reaction should not be to want to blame politics. The reaction should just be. In some ways, it's an actual tragedy that an 82-year-old man was beaten about the head with a fucking hammer. Right. Uh, All right. Anyway, I think we did a pretty good job of tying together a number of different threads into a coherent conversation here. So in the spirit of throwing all of that away, uh, real quick. No, 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 no. It's bedtime. Our bogus future. This is going to go so fast. It's going to be fine. In our bogus future this week, Photoshop paywalls Pantone colors and is turning users' art black. So uh, there are artists who are opening up their files in Photoshop and finding that uh, colors that they have previously used to make their art have now just been returned to black because Photoshop is no longer paying the licensing fees <laughs> to Pantone is that for true? the for yes for the use of those colors and that if you want oh, to restore awesome. your art assuming that it is restorable and has not been uh, permanently fucked up in some way <laughs> then you need to personally license the use of those colors from Pantone itself. So we laugh about like, uh, like Amazon actually just announced today that they're expanding Amazon music so that you can listen to many, many more millions. If you're a prime member, you can listen to ad free many, many millions of songs. If you're willing to put up with their shitty fucking interface, which by the way, the Amazon music app on Android, uh, mostly fucking sucks. So, uh, (laughs) if you want me to use the service that I'm already paying for Amazon, uh, you should make it a better goddamn uh, user experience. But what I certainly don't do by streaming those songs via Amazon is I do not own those things. And uh, it's been made explicitly clear to me that even if I purchase those MP3s from one of these streaming companies, they could lose the rights to having sold me those. And then all of a sudden that music has disappeared from my device, like which is just completely unacceptable, right. by the way. Uh, <laughs> And and the same thing is now happening with with colors, like like right. they just the use of a particular color that an artist decided uh, fit the thing that they were trying to do will now be removed from that person's artwork from the file that they were working on on their computer uh, because they've lost the licensing fee to that that color. The, the, uh, not to uh, extend this uh, segment, but I thought the story that I read um, this week was the worst example of that, but this is, I, I did not know this. That's ridiculous. But um, the NFL's uh, Pat McAfee, you know, former Colts punter. Oh yeah. And Lori's, Lori's favorite NFL commentator. I hate him. He, uh, is he an NFL person too? He's and, ruined and game day. He's for everywhere. Me. Yeah. He had a game he's, day too. He's I, everywhere. I used to enjoy watching game day. It wasn't like. Lori, Lori, what if instead of sitting here enjoyably in my uh, button up party shirt, as I call them, I instead wore a tank top. And stood up the entire time I just don't understand and yelled into the camera for the duration of I, my podcast. What I said to Bob was like, he feels dated. Like, why we're in twenty? Yeah. Why? Why are we in two thousand? Because he's a he's a he's a creature of like two thousand, like an afflicted Floridian from two thousand seven. And I don't yeah. understand. Remember, remember the that afflicted T shirts? Like it? Yes. 
the yeah, MMA, the, like that that kind of yes. goofy sort. Yeah, uh, and he's but just too loud. He's very loud, but uh, people seem to gravitate to him because he's everywhere. Yeah, You're right; he's everywhere. People suck. But the NFL, uh, so he has a podcast similar to to what we do, although just like ours, yeah, <laughs> just like ours, except <laughs> except Pat McAfee has a budget that allows him to pay four million dollars a year to license highlights from the NFL, which right, is that, fucking yeah. bonkers, by the way. And and that's the, the 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 story. Basically, the NFL you pay they pay I think four million dollars to show highlights on his show, and he makes so much money, it's fine. But the NFL was like, you don't have the rights to show our graphics and logos, like still photos. Uh, and so like he had some weird NFL-related items around his desk and whatnot. And they said, no, 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 no. Four million doesn't cover that. So like they're very for the, being- for the same reason that people when they're when they're hyping up their Super Bowl uh, like coupons or whatever, like they want to sell wings for the big game. They the don't ever game. say yeah. it's a Super Bowl special. They have to say instead a uh, big game Sunday special. Get fifty wings for fifty dollars or whatever. Or, or do the Colbert thing of uh, the superb owl thing. That, right, that you know, worked. But yeah, it is uh, bogus. Uh, both of these things. All right. You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. You can find the show on Facebook or Twitter, Elon Musk's Twitter, I suppose. Uh, just search Cast Iron Brains. I am tweeting at CK underscore Taverner. You can find uh, Mark Gillig, who composed our opening and closing themes. You can find his music at tetramermusic.com, T-E-T-R-A-M-E-R music.com. Abe. Did you make it to the movies? Did you see Black Adam? What happened? I did, and uh, just uh, as uh, you might expect, uh, it was a mediocre movie. A couple of uh, decent action sequences. Uh, uh, The Rock, not a very good actor, but I knew that going in. I did see another movie, though, uh, which is Pray for the Devil, also another not decent movie. I think at some point I said after watching two horror movies that I liked, I was like, maybe I was wrong on the horror movie thing. I may be into it. Well, now I'm uh, going in the other way. Like uh, these last couple of horror movies that I've seen are not good, but the best part of Pray for the Devil, which is a otherwise atrocious uh, uh, movie, uh, is that there was one scene uh, where somebody says, and I quote, you want to perform an unauthorized exorcism? And the theater just starts laughing. Like, just <laughs> everybody in there is just like, what? But because they said it with such sincerity, and it was like a right. very absurd thing to say. It's like, all right. Well, that, the, the cap- that, that betrays a certain lack of uh, institutional authority <laughs> of the audience in the, like, in, uh, faith in the institution of the papacy and the, yeah. and the Catholic <laughs> Church. That's not that funny. Because, like, <laughs> 40 years ago, yeah. it would be a big deal if a priest step out, stepped outside of the you – know, having the authority to do an exorcism from his bishop or what have you. But now the, the Catholic Church carries no, with it no fucking weight whatsoever. No, it's people in that audience don't right. – they're not Catholic. They just they're don't know. They're not Catholic, yeah. yeah. A lot of gimmicks with the Catholics. A lot of weird little yeah. things. You always got to get... The best religion. Got to get Form 37B. <laughs> Lots of rules. Get get Line 343 <laughs> properly itemized and, and, and initial in order to do your exorcism. Everybody knows that. We watched a horror movie that you said was oh, a good one. Oh, that's right. We watched... Barbary Street. We watched my coworker's cousin's movie, Barbarian. Yeah. <laughs> he was the How friend did... in the bar, by the way. Gotcha. How did y'all like that movie? 
I liked how suspenseful it was and how not gory it was. Yeah. Like, the- there was a little bit of violence, but it was largely left to the imagination. Yes. Yeah. Lots the, of suspense. Uh, Heart rate the up. The halfway through the movie where they cut to the coast, like, what? Yeah. Very dark, but it was kind of interesting how they they worked it. Yeah. Uh, so this is one that everybody says you should go in completely ignorant of, right? Uh, Which, as much yeah, as possible. Should. And I I agree so don't with listen that. Listen to us. So if you're going to watch this movie, you should stop listening to us and just go watch it. And I do think it's worth watching. Like it's a it it's good. a good entertaining yeah. movie. You will not reg- you likely will not regret yeah. having spent. It won't. It didn't give me the thing. That horror movies sometimes do, where like I can't get images out of my head or ideas yeah. out of my head. Yeah. Like it was suspenseful in the moment, and then I could go on with my life. Right. It right. was also, and and this is where I will, as usual, find something to quibble with. There it was go. also way too preachy and way too <laughs> like I see what I saw what you were doing, man, and you're gonna keep on doing it, man, and it's. Like it's a bit one note, uh, yeah. and I don't particularly care for it. And also, if you're going to make a movie about the thing that you're making this movie about, which is bad things happen to this woman over and over again at the hands of bad or indifferent men right. or men who mean well but ultimately – Meaning well isn't good enough. Meaning well not being good right. enough. You have to make her not be such a fucking idiot. <laughs> like you can't, it, it, it cannot be the case that she is also just incredibly fucking stupid and making the wrong decision at every turn. From Le- the beginning to the end, Le- she makes the wrong decision. Leading yes. her to just be the victim of these men over and over and over again. I want more competent agency from right. my victimized heroine here. And, you know, there's always the... If you don't have this happen, then the movie doesn't happen. So you need to have the thing happen. But like, so her saying, fuck this, I'll go sleep somewhere else. Like that, the movie doesn't happen. The end. Similarly, (laughs) dude Skarsgård in the movie, we find out actually lives in the area. Like he lives in Detroit, just oh, on the other yeah. side of town. Right, so he's like, go the fuck home. He's scouting. Yeah. He's out scouting other places to potentially buy up as some sort of like or, real or estate or he's outfit. Doing right. Something. But he's like, yeah, like what are you doing? Like go, you you have but you go clearly home. must have right. buddies in town or something. But they're or presenting go to it as like own oh. fucking house that's yeah. maybe forty five minutes away. Like right. go away if the problem is that we've double booked the room. Right. But again, the movie doesn't happen. Right. Also, I wonder if the writers were like, oh, it's raining. We'll explain that away by like. It's not writers. It's one writer. It's 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 my my co worker's cousin. Yeah. Lori knows knows someone who knows the filmmaker. But I also thought that the movie would have benefited from doing the thing that the. What was that foreign language film that almost won Best Picture last year? Parasite. Uh, Not Parasite. Last year. I watched it. It was about the a lot of driving. Oh, um, like it was like three Japanese, hours long. That it was Japanese. Japanese. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I don't know the name, but yeah, I forget what it was about. But it did this thing where you watch the movie for forty-five minutes, and then the title card drops. Yeah. Uh, drive my car. Drive my car. Good movie. Made you think. Similar to this one. Like good movie. Made you think. It's a fun movie. I recommend it. I don't think it's particularly a great movie or anything like that. But this movie, when it does that thing that it does 45 minutes in, 
that's when you drop the title card. Like they, oh, they I see. <laughs> that would have been a really great like a forty-five minute runway to the opening credits of the movie. Right. I think that would have been really cool. Uh, but that's just a minor yeah, sort of cool. aesthetic quibble. And again, I get it. There's an element with this movie of men being bad to women, and that is the entire point of the goddamn movie. Yeah, well, also, a uh, man wrote it, so you got to right. get and that also, out. And basically, the, the, the movie titled Man was kind of like that. I mean, it was a little over the top with uh, that. That movie was like, all right, I get it. Like, right. uh, where a, a man was birthing another man, and it was birthing another man, or this is weird thing at the end of the movie. It's like, all right, your point is well noted. And it's not like it bashes you over the head with it, and it's and it's fine. The thing that bothered me about it is the level because in my head I'm like, I'm critiquing this as somebody who's sitting in a writer's workshop because that's my interaction. Like I've I've been in a writer's workshop with this guy, not literally, but like <laughs> I've been in like, the writer yeah. I've been in the writer's workshop with the guy who thinks that he's written the thing that is like. I'm 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 doing the feminist thing here. I'm being a good ally, and it's like I know you, man. No. Like you are super goddamn annoying. Then you can hire a woman to write. <laughs> and it. I don't I don't want to I don't want to hang out with this guy talking about his fucking movie. Like I yeah. I enjoyed the movie enough, but like I just have no interest whatsoever <laughs> in hearing him expound upon the ways in which he's he's been an ally in the right. in the feminist filmmaking field. And also, if you're gonna lean in to the supernatural insanity, I don't think it's okay to only lean into it a couple of times, right? Okay. Like, there's something about the cheapness of throwing her off the water tower at the end there and then having Mother uh, go leaping off the thing to save her and then, like, having Mother still be alive afterwards. Yeah. Like, if if that creepy fucking demon who's been living under the house for the last 40 years is still alive after being uh, leaping 60 feet off of a water tower and landing squarely on her back. And there's a shot of like exploded blood and brain matter coming out of her dome. Then what good is shooting her in the head going to do five minutes later? Right? (laughs) Like we're to assume that the protagonist kills her in that final moment with the gun. But why would a gun do the trick? That doesn't make any fucking sense. That's a lot of force. The gun. I mean, come on. (laughs) It just is. (laughs) Anyway. And to an extent, like, I would be relatively interested in at least reading the lore behind the story. I don't necessarily want to see a prequel and find out what the creepy old man did. No, Uh, the whole point is that we don't want to know that. Right. But also, like, it it does a good job of teasing all of that stuff without demanding that you actually find out about it. So it's well constructed in that way. It's a a good, fun movie. I'm glad that we watched it. Okay. And I think that's all we watched. We meant to watch, or I meant to watch anyway, uh, the first episode of I meant to. White Lotus Season I was just 2. Busy. Oh, it's oh, already back. brother was here. We didn't get around to that yet. Yeah, we will. We will watch that as it, as it happens, uh, presumably. Uh, Abe. Yes. Last chance for a prediction before this weekend's Tennessee Georgia matchup, the number one and number two. Two three. teams in the country. Why are you bad at this? One and three. No, because the AP has it Georgia one, Tennessee okay. well, two. The, once the, the college the, football playoff has it uh, Tennessee one, Georgia three. Yeah, right, but that's right. all that matters. Uh, and they don't matter, but like if there's matters. a ranking that matters, it's that one. Sure. 
Who you got? Georgia by at least 11. I think they pull Ooh, away at the end. They're yeah. going to cover, too. Oh, My yes, goodness. Yes, yes. It's gonna without look dicey without Nolan Smith? No Nolan Smith. Yes. Uh, no. Uh, hobbled Jalen Carter. Not going to matter? Nope. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, seeing turnovers in Hooker's future, you know. I would love it if we exposed Hooker. I have a bad feeling about this game, though. I don't. I don't feel great about it. In fact, I'm to the point where, though Georgia is favored, I will be pleasantly surprised if Georgia wins. I'm just outright. You're not even like worried about the spread. Just like the, just not worried about the spread. I have were this. The only game this reminds me of is the Alabama blackout game. Yes. Yeah. Uh, were, were, we weren't favored in that, were we? We were ranked higher, but not favored. I don't remember. Okay, right. yeah. That, that was I before that Saban right. had really established I know, anything. I know, but I think we were ranked higher, but not favored. And then we lost real bad. I refuse to Google it, but my feeling is that an, an Alabama it. team that we beat the year before that was coming into Athens, there's it. no I way. I couldn't find the yeah. answer. I don't know what to Google. That we were the underdog in that game. I don't buy it. I mean, that was the, the peak of Stafford and Noshan hype. We were gonna fucking rule the world. Didn't yeah, that, that was a good that was a good run. But I mean, yeah, I think uh, like Georgia has sh- at least shown up for the bigger games. I mean, that weird stretch with the Mizzou and Kent State or whatever the hell that was. Like, just throw right. that those two games away. I think that the, they're they're fine. We shall see. I'm going to be getting my vaccine that morning. So as the game ends, I'm going to start to feel rough no matter what. <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> so it, it's, it works for me either way. We need, we need competent Stetson to show up. Not, not asking for good Stetson. Yes. Not asking for great Stetson. Just minimal mistake Stetson to show up. No, and we'll be Cha- championship caliber, you mean. Yeah, and the defense needs to not like decide that they don't play football anymore for 15 minutes. Like it, it's it's happened like a half a dozen times over the last couple of years, where this like world beating defense is phenomenal, and then out of nowhere they just have a quarter where they completely shit the bed. It was the third quarter this past weekend. If that happens, yeah, this, well, we also turned this, the ball over twice last weekend. Right. So. Well, but this yeah, Tennessee that, team is will not allow. Like, we'll give up twenty eight points in the third quarter to Tennessee, and we'll will not have a chance to win this game if that happens. Right. So the the uh, the concerning uh, type of game would be a. Tennessee Alabama style, like a shootout, like back and forth. I mean, yeah, I don't. We, Alabama we can't has win the that. players we cannot that can win that yeah, game that yeah. Alabama lost. We right. are not better at doing right. that than Alabama yes. is, and we will lose. Yeah, uh, we got to keep them under at least like. We can 30, win a defensive yeah. struggle. We cannot win a game where Tennessee scores forty fucking points. It's not yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Anyway, you got uh, you got anything else for us tonight, Abe? Nope. Well, I guess that's all we've got for tonight. Then we will talk to you next time. Later. So I sat out there under a makeshift tent that I built out of a couple of umbrellas and and bamboo and bamboo because that's what I have on to ha- ready to hand. And oh, what a resourceful man you are! Like as it. I said, it's, I'm really fucking great with bamboo. Not a lot of other things. So you give me some bamboo and what everyone else believes to be trash, and I will make something of it. It will still be <laughs> trash. Be an, he will. It will still will, be trash. It but. will become a different form of trash. Yeah. Functional trash. But I sit out there in my creepy bear mask that I bought a couple of years ago, and Last year. I was just sitting there, not moving, just holding the umbrella, 
with this creepy bear mask on, and I, I wear my Freddie it's Freeman awful. jersey. It's really awful. And Lori doesn't care for it at all. But I was just sitting there, and these three kids walk up, and I know two of them, and it was, and it was one of them was their friend. And so the one kid knows that it's Calvin's house. Like Calvin's not here, also, but he knows he's walking up to Calvin's house. You did this exact shtick last year, and I did the same thing last year, right? So it shouldn't okay. surprise too many. Okay. But I just sit there and I don't move until they get right up on me. And then, like, I wait for them to go first. Like, I don't ever initiate the conversation. And this kid, he's walking up, and he sort of hesitates for a second as he looks at me. And then he gets his bearings back, and he keeps walking. And he goes, oh, I thought that was a real guy for a second, but it's not. And then I I go, happy Halloween! And he jumps out of his fucking skin. Uh, It was so good. And that I managed to do that to like three different groups of people. Anyway, they walk up and it's first it's a kid who gets to our threshold of the of our our little gate there. So I'm like 30 feet away or whatever. And he just stops and he just he's going to wait for mom because he's seen something that makes him uncomfortable. Right. Like a smart move. Is he on the younger side? Yeah. He's like four or five years old. Okay. And it's. Him and mom and a couple of like older older siblings eventually, yeah. and they all walk up, and the the middle aged sibling just goes, oh, "What's going to happen?" Middle aged <laughs> or like 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 the ten year old, okay. like a ten or eleven year old sibling, just like sees me sitting there not moving and looks yeah. right at me and goes, "Oh, what's going to happen?" <laughs> Like positive that some bad shit like is I mean, about to happen. It's the you worst. Spot it's on. the worst thing. <laughs> Did you do a thing? Did you uh... move? Is to just not move at all, and then just do a sudden movement and go Happy yeah. Halloween, like something like that. <laughs> I did that, and uh, and the response was something like, Oh, he got you! Because <laughs> somebody jumped, and the other sibling goes, Oh, he got you! Uh, and it was wonderful. And as as mom is walking away, she goes. These motherfuckers. <laughs> I agree with her. Uh, but she was amused. I mean, like, it wasn't yes. mad, these motherfuckers. Yes. 